And in the past, brands were built on the shelf. Today, they're built on your phone, and that changes everything. This is the Safari. The Safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer brand and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. Hi, guys. Today, I'm going to be talking to Ben Whitty, who is the founder of Recess, which is a runaway success beverage business in the CBD space. So he really has been able to sort of merge digital native with the beverage industry and CBD all at the same time, not to mention branding. Uh, so, you know, he has this incredible story about how he's used social media, the Instagram account, his pop-up store to go direct to consumer with a beverage business, which is really designed to help the creative uh, in all of us uh, awaken. And it's not about relaxation. It's about awakening creativity and focus. So, you know, you'll learn a lot from him and stick around. Ben, thank you so much for joining the Safari. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, so t tell us a little bit. Uh, obviously, I've done a bit of an introduction to to this podcast, but give us a little bit about your your backstory first. And I think where I want to take this conversation is uh, around consumer first, because what you've done is tapped into something going on with you know, we call it the pagan consumer, sort of the mindfulness in in consumerism today, and then really about brand, how to create a brand in the twenty first century, which there's so many cool things you've done. Let's talk about CBD. Obviously, CBD will be, will be sort of dotted around all of this conversation. But then, you know, the efficacy and what's actually the the plumbing or the infrastructure of how you're actually delivering that that product, and uh, and start there. But start off with you. T tell us a little bit about how you got into this. Yeah. So um, I'd like to start all at the beginning. So I grew up in. Southern California, an hour south from LA, uh, in a little surf town called Laguna Beach. Growing up, I was kind of a creative in high school, was really into uh, an all design, but filmmaking specifically, and thought that's what I wanted to, to kind of do and study. Uh, but I ended up going to college uh, in Boston, uh, at Boston University. And uh, instead of uh, you know, pursuing film, I ended up studying undergraduate business. Uh, so I'm 31, uh, and when I graduated, I graduated in 2010, right when kind of Silicon Valley startup scene was uh, emerging and big, you know just kind of starting to boom. And uh, I come from a pretty entrepreneurial family, and so I was attracted to kind of what was happening in San Francisco, and decided I wanted to kind of move there and join a startup. Um, and so my first job out of college was a three-person startup that was building an influencer marketing platform and social media. It was one of these things that was like the right idea at the wrong time with the wrong team and wrong everything, but uh, I'd say it was, in retrospect, super beneficial because from the earliest days uh, of social media, I got to think about how you would build a brand in a social media-driven world. Um, and the, most importantly, I'd say the power of kind of earned media. And a lot of that inspired how we think about things at Recess. Uh, from there, I joined another ad tech startup uh, called AdRoll uh, that pioneered kind of retargeted ads. And I was there from about 10 people to 600 people. 
So it was a different type of experience. Um, and I had a bunch of interesting kind of roles in the company, um, but always knew I wanted to start my own company and always knew that my passions and strengths were around consumer experiences and not building software for you know advertisers. And I just decided to go out on my own. Um, I spent a year pursuing a different idea, uh, exploring a different idea before this, uh, which was actually um, like a hotel concept. It was like Soho House meets a high-end hostel targeted at the WeWork crowd. Mm-hmm. And that was like a couple years ago. Um, and I think it's like, again, it was actually, it's actually a great idea, but it was just, I just concluded it was too capital intensive. And I didn't want to be in the real estate development business for the first, my first startup. I uh, just moved too slowly. Um, and so I tabled that and I ended up, I was kind of going back and forth from San Francisco to New York and kind of bouncing around a bit and ended up just deciding to move to New York because that's where I've actually always felt most kind of invigorated. Um, and instead of, I could have I kind of thought about going to get a job again and decided to keep going. And then uh, what happened was um, kind of, I had seen this about two and a half years ago, had seen CBD kind of bubbling up uh, on the periphery. Um, and I started in kind of natural food stores and I started experimenting CBD and uh, adaptogens, just <laughs> CBD to start CBD to start, uh, I'll get to the adaptogens, but yeah. I saw kind of CBD oil bubbling up on the periphery and I started experimenting with it myself because I've always been a naturally kind of stressed out, anxious, wired, hyper, you know, millennial. Um, and when I started using CBD regularly, I felt uh, more balanced and even keeled. And as a result, I felt more productive, more creative and less stressed out and anxious. And I just had a number of insights from that experience. Uh, the first being, I'm not the only one that feels this way. I think stress and anxiety are one of the biggest issues of the 21st century. And it's only over the past couple of years uh, that people uh, acknowledge it and are increasingly seeking out solutions to kind of take back control of their life. And I describe it as like an anxiety economy uh, is emerging. And I think there's things you're gonna consume in your body as well as kind of lifestyle choices uh, that you're gonna make uh, to kind of, again, take back control. Uh, the second insight was that um, kind of CBD, the compound was effective, but the user experience of putting something that tastes like grass in an oil form under your tongue is not going to be a very mainstream one. But the way to think about CBD is as a compound, no more interesting than caffeine or whey protein, just a commoditized functional ingredient that provides a kind of a functional benefit. And the value would be kind of creating the right kind of formulations and applications. So dissolvable tablet, kombucha, iced tea, plain water, sparkling water, you name it, I could do it. Uh, and what would be the first one to launch with? And then most importantly, building the brand on top of it. Who are the biggest caffeine companies in the world? It's Starbucks, it's Red Bull, it's Monster, it's Coke, and they don't market caffeine. They market the feeling, Red Bull gives you wings. Mm -hmm. And so I saw everyone else in the kind of the CBD space kind of marketing the ingredient and not thinking about how this would play out in the long term. I still think that's the case. Um, The third uh, insight was that I literally didn't know a single person that ever worked in beverage or CPG or cannabis it never even crossed my mind to look at the space. Um, but my main observation was that beverage is the most brand-driven category on the entire planet because it has one very unique attribute. It's the most high frequency of use and purchase product, right? And so that leads it to like a brand marketing-driven mm-hmm. strategy. And, you know, I looked at the beverage space and my observation is that the most recent successful beverage brands have succeeded despite being mediocre at marketing. And there were good brands. I think Coca-Cola was a great brand. I think Red Bull was a great brand. I think Gatorade was a great brand. And the common thing amongst them is that they're all kind of marketing a feeling. In the case of Red Bull and Gatorade, they kind of align themselves with like a specific community in the case of, uh, to kind of create the association with the value proposition they're selling. So in the case of Red Bull, I look at Red Bull as an, uh, media, a media company for the action sports community that monetizes through selling cans. Yeah. So um, as, I, as I look at this um, 
this can of recess, and you talk about uh, canning a feeling uh, quite a lot. I'm going to open it. This little sound effect here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the canning of a feeling also comes down to the consumer. It's uh, her and his and himself, right? They are uh, a generation that I have called a sort of a pagan consumer. There's a study in mindfulness that we've done here on how uh, there are different values that are uh, imbued into that younger consumer. And so creating a brand, therefore, with that consumer in mind and trying to can that feeling for them, how did you go about that and maybe talk about that consumer? Who is she? Who is he? Mm -hmm. So I think a key insight we had was that um, it was around the functional benefit. So a great example of, I think, how this comes comes to and how it manifested itself is we have never used the word relax in our marketing um, because I don't think people aspire to relax. You aspire to feel kind of calm and balanced. Um, if you tell someone to relax, it's kind of an insult um, versus I think what people are actually looking for is to feel kind of calm, balanced, in control so they can be their most kind of productive, creative, and fulfilled self. So I've always looked at recesses in many ways a productivity company. And the big idea of recess is not CBD. It's actually taking a recess, right? So it's all about the use case and the consumption occasion, which I think is a new one in people's lives. Think about all the use cases that are built around caffeine and how much like economic value is effectively built on caffeine. You have coffee shops, you have energy drinks, you have soda, right? And I think there's just a new kind of consumption occasion uh, in people's lives that, that we're creating called taking a recess. So your, your community, sort of like Gatorade as athletes, your community is therefore creatives, uh, artists and musicians and, and et cetera? So that's on the content side, like who we're speaking to directly. Like I think the value proposition uh, for recess and CBD in general is universal, just like of the course, value yeah. proposition is for caffeine and energy. You know, every person on the planet needs energy naturally or through stimulants of some kind. You know, not everyone needs collagen protein. Um, but everyone in some way or another wants to kind of take a recess at various mm-hmm. times in their day. That said, I think, um, you know, on, from your, like on a content and brand side, if you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. Um, and so you want it, we, you know, right now are speaking, you know, I'd probably say pretty specifically to the creative community. So I look at it as music, fashion, art, design, internet culture. That's who we're kind of speaking to and activating. But, you know, when we're at mass retail, like I think the, the, the idea of recess is uh, relevant for literally everyone. So how are you talking to that consumer, therefore? I mean, obviously, you're quite well known for your Instagram account, for example. Mm-hmm. So t- talk about how the things are, how you're imbuing the brand with the way you're communicating and, and, and across different platforms. Yeah, so I would say um, recess is a, I think to the extreme, I can't think of another brand that's as narrative driven as we are. I think the key, everyone talks about like the visual, and I actually think that the actual more important part is actually our messaging and our copy. Um, and so I think most CBD brands are telling the story again, like CBD reduces anxiety. We don't, we say recess is an antidote to modern times. It helps you feel not tired, not wired, calm, cool, collected. So we're really kind of describing this feeling and, you know, related, to, I think the big idea of recess is this an antidote to modern times, which kind of encapsulates it all. It's kind of a ridiculous statement. It's almost, you know, it's obviously tongue in cheek, um, and so I think of what the Recess brand is, is actually a social commentary on living in 2020. Like it recesses in many ways is an idea and a mentality and like a way of dealing with the world. And I think um, people like recess or more than like recess, 
because they feel kind of understood by the brand. Like we are one of you, not above you. Yeah. So the why of it, and you obviously the Simon Sinek sort of view of what's the why behind your business. And there's a wonderful term that I read somewhere about you that taking a recess means deliberately ceasing to produce so that it allows you to create mm -hmm. this idea that you can't do both at the same time. It's a bit like the cleansers. The cleansers say you got to stop consuming so that you can actually let your gut uh, repair yeah. itself. This is sort of a, another variation of the same theme, which is you got to just stop in order to allow yourself to free up that, uh, so that those neural pathways to be creative. And yeah. I'm sure that when we get into the CBD thing, you'll enlighten me with things that, that I don't know about that subject and not to mention adaptogens, which is a word I'm thrilled to have learned about. But so, so continue therefore on, on this road of, the consumer. So you have this, this table has been set by you for this customer. You've got the brand that has so much meaning uh, and so much, uh, because everyone, everyone has felt the feelings that you're talking about. I mean, it's not about a, a demographic. It's not age. It's not, it's not sociographic. Everybody has anxiety. Some people can mask it differently, but, or, but everybody wants to be their better self, to be creative. So um, how does that translate from, for example, going back to the Gatorade or Red Bull, you know, Red Bull being the guys who are all about the action sports, Gatorade, the athletes, but you see those products on every shelf everywhere. Mm -hmm. How do you jump the Rubicon from the artist community to the every person in how they engage with the brand? Oh, I, th I mean, look, I, I, I kind of would say disagree with the premise um, because a great example of this is I grew up a surfer. I grew up like literally watching the X Games and experience sports and I don't watch it anymore. I think action sports is a much smaller market compared to what we're tapping into, uh, which is music, you know, fashion design. These things are universal. That yeah, touches everyone. Yeah. And I think, um, especially for where the world is going, I think those are by far the most influential communities uh, in digital platforms, right? That we are kind of creating this whole world around, which I haven't even talked about yet, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's, we're just getting started by integrating into pop culture. We've literally only done one type of marketing. If you look at our Instagram, it's entirely illustrated. We've done no profiles, no influencer marketing, none of that. We're about to, there's a bunch of stuff coming, yeah. but I think it'll all kind of make sense in about a month. And so you started the company in what year? 2000, we launched, uh, you know, basically November, 2018. And talk a little bit about the, the startup story and, you know, where you are today, you said you have, I think, 40 or so employees mm -hmm. now. It's been sort of, you know, as of, I think, a year ago, a bit sort of zero to 60, you know, really fast growth. Talk a little bit about that founder story and, and the, the, the tribulations of, you know, building yeah. a, a young company. So, look, I, I think the, the, the fourth point I didn't talk about, which I think, again, drives this, is actually the regulation around CBD. And so the fourth thing I saw was when I was kind of came up with the idea, CBD was still a controlled substance then. Obviously, I'm not going to you know, start a business you know, selling a controlled substance indefinitely. And so there had to be this path for CBD to become this permissible ingredient. And that dynamic uh, creates, created this unique kind of, it creates like an, it's like somewhat of an anomaly, the opportunity because of the regulatory dynamics. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, why I decided, why I felt comfortable enough to kind of move forward was I'd heard about this piece of legislation called the Hemp Farming Act, which was introduced by Mitch McConnell. That effectively says we want hemp to be the future crop of America. And it basically separated hemp from marijuana and removed. And the difference between hemp and marijuana is that hemp doesn't have THC. Um, and it basically removed CBD from the controlled substance list, shifting the regulation from the DEA to the FDA. And so the craziest thing about CBD, and that happened um, a month after I launched. 
And so I got the timing exactly right. <laughs> right on the nose. Yeah. But the craziest thing about CBD is if you look at any of the data, like the interest data, Google search data, like of CBD compared to many popular items, it's, it's literally off the charts. And that that's despite the fact that it's not even in the national retailers yet. And so the, the wild thing about recess is that, you know, we're, we're, we're in 4,000 accounts nationwide, just in New York and LA primarily but we're not even in the national retailers yet. And in a three month period, everyone, once the regulatory environment further clarifies, yeah. every national retailer will launch this and other products. And that's where the compounding effect for CBD is gonna happen. And you've often said, I think that CBD is the caffeine of the 21st century. Elaborate on that a little bit, cause it's fascinating. Yeah, You're I think just it, touching the surface. Yeah, I go, I go to, I like the jobs to be done framework. Like why, it's not about caffeine. It's about the, the, the functional value proposition and the feeling that it enables. Uh, you know, I've had an iced coffee, a, a iced coffee every morning in my life for 10 years, right? That is a use case in my life, in my life. And I think we're, you know, enter, we're basically creating a new use case. Uh, and it's around this idea of taking a recess. The difference between caffeine, there's a, there's a lot of nuances between caffeine and CBD and stimulation and calm, you know, stress reduction. People, you feel, I, you know, I feel a coffee as, as soon as I drink it, CBD is much more subtle. So what it's literally doing is interacting with one of your nervous systems called your endocrinoid system, which helps your body maintain kind of equilibrium. Um, so it's really about kind of balance, not necessarily kind of just like knocking you out in relaxation. Um, and in order to get into like a flow state, which you need to be almost by definition to be creative, you need to be balanced uh, to be able to be kind of thoughtful and introspective. And so that's kind of the, the feeling, uh, you know, we're uh, you know, serving. But the most interesting thing about recess and why I'm convinced this category is going to be much larger than energy drinks and uh, you know, Red Bull and Monster are about $30 billion companies um, is that there's just many more use cases and consumption occasions. Your total addressable market for a beverage is a function of what are the times a day someone's likely to drink it times what are the points of distribution it's likely to be sold. I can't think of another beverage besides Coca-Cola that has more use cases. Is there a limit to how much you can drink? Like I drink like unlimited a day. Um, it's, you know, there, uh, there's, there, it's, it's to, you know, to each their own, just like caffeine impacts everyone differently. CBD is going to impact people differently. My dad can drink, you know, double espresso before bed. I can't do that. Yeah, right? so, mine. so, but like, you know, I think the interesting thing about recess is again, I focus on the job and the use case. There's a group of people that like to take a recess right when they get up in the morning to start their day calm. There's another group of people that like to drink it right before they go to bed. The core use case is 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at your office at lunch as a complement or substitute to your two o'clock coffee. A lot of people like it before and after workout. We think it works as well on-premise as off-premise. It's a great substitute for alcohol. It's a great mixer with alcohol. So now go through every type of kind of channel there, you know, uh, the bodega, convenience, gas market, you know, quick service restaurants, cafes, fitness, you know, hospitality. We're working everywhere. A brand like LaCroix is not going to be sold at the Waldorf Astoria. Recess is sold at the Waldorf Astoria and the bodega. Right. And so as I think about what this, you know, category can become and what this brand platform can be, I think we can basically play in all those different times a day and points of distribution and develop a whole platform that's like optimized specifically for those things. We'll be right back. I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help think, manage, and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies, 
we're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry, and it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. Back to the safari. So going back to some of the, 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 the uh, plumbing, I guess, of starting a, a business, this, this podcast is a lot about how, how things get built, how mm. they get started, the things that the founder yourself and I'm sure many wonderful people around you, uh, things they have to think about. Um, so talk about sort of where you are, where you've come from and, mm-hmm. and what it's going to take to get where you're going. And I'm sure um, based on everything you said and everything we've all read here at Traub, that there's a very bright future coming. But, um, yeah. but you know, what, what they often say is that, you know, an overnight decade success, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, suddenly you, everyone says, oh, yeah, that was easy. But no, it's much harder. What lies beneath um, is much harder. Look, I think, the, I think the launch was interesting. When we launched, it was there was uh, me and one other employee. Uh, the company was based in my apartment till just less than a year ago. Um, and so the launch, uh, we did an internet-only direct-to-consumer launch um, on purpose. I had distributors re- reaching out to us. I had retailers reaching out to us. I didn't pre-sale at, at you know, retail, even though... I've always known that the like the primary majority of our uh, sales would come through kind of traditional retail channels. Now, why did we do a direct to consumer launch? Uh, the first re- reason was I wanted consumers' first interaction with the brand to be our website or Instagram because that's what kind of conveyed the emotion and the story of the brand and like why we exist. And the second was the CPG space is so crowded. There's literally a new CBD beverage brand launching every day. They're frankly, irrelevant. Like it's going to be tough for them to break through. And conventions and the whole thing. Exactly. And so I wanted kind of the retailers and the distributors coming to us, not me selling them. And so I had to kind of create the buzz and the leverage online in order to go offline. I think the other smart thing we did is that we had just like, you know, a completely polished brand day one. I think too many people, especially in CPG, um, you know, build a product first and then try to like get some sales and then build the brand. Like I started building the brand first. Um, and so we had a very deliberate strategy. We were going to use content exclusively on Instagram, one post a day, that's it. Um, as well as PR to kind of create the, the, the awareness. And I think one thing I realized really quickly is that beverage is a category where you want to seem bigger than you are. It's like, what I like to say is like, how much value is there in being white claw than anyone else? Being the default first choice for a retailer distributor in a, an emerging category is everything. Um, and so I wanted to kind of be that default first choice and I wanted to use kind of PR content and buzz and earn media. Like we, the craziest thing about resources, we've spent no money on paid media yet. Incredible. And so this like a crazy amount of awareness in a relatively short amount of time. And it's through kind of word of mouth. It's through our Instagrams. I mean, many of our Instagram posts will get shared 500, 600, 700 times. Um, and that's where kind of the awareness is coming from. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the naming and branding story, because uh, I think people uh, don't put enough stock into branding and naming. I think a name can tra- take you very, very far. I think this name is fantastic. And taking a recess, I love that sort of just sticks with you. But also the the, the bottles, there's a certain tone to the colors and the cans or other, excuse me. And um, talk about how long that took, because it looks to me like that was a labor of love and, and you mm-hmm. really put your heart and soul into it. Yeah. Um, so, and I really worked with some amazing part, creative partners. Um, so the, it's when we had the idea, all we had was CBD beverage, had this idea for balance, like not relaxation, this kind of productivity idea. And if you look at my like first mood board, like, like, cause I consider myself a brand guy, but I needed, you know, 
like I'm not a formal designer and a copywriter. Um, and so I actually called my friend Emmett, who runs Gin Lane, and I worked course, with yeah. I worked with Gin Lane at the on the initial brand identity, right? And so I had this idea that I wanted to kind of create this kind of psychedelic world that transported you. I knew I wanted the brand voice to be kind of tongue in cheek. I described it as kind of profound wisdom delivered with humor, kind of like John Stewart social commentary. Yep. That's I think what people are looking for today, um, especially when you're taking you know talking about something like stress and anxiety. I actually think our humor, we're like we're very funny. I think it's very effective and they kind of helped me kind of, you know, create the initial brand identity. They, you know, naming was a part of it. It was one of these things, put 20 names on the board. It was like, so obviously recess and that was it. And then over time, like th the idea changed though. Like it went from being a CBD beverage company to me, you know, when I launched, um, I don't even, I didn't even just, if you look at my first item deck, I don't even describe this as a beverage brand. Um, and so it kind of, took on a world of its own. Like when you start to think it's about a wellness for, brand, I think yeah, it's, it's a wellness and lifestyle brand. And I'll talk about like what's coming next. Cause I think it all makes sense. Um, but anyways, what happened was the brand got ahead of the formula and I had to kind of pause, um, with gin lane so I could finish the liquid. Um, and that was cause it's hard to try. Like I literally didn't know anything about making a drink. Um, and I basically made this, you know, create on my own. So I worked with a couple different groups and I settled on a guy. And then when I was ready to, and restart the brand. Um, Gin Lane was kind of going in their pattern brands direction. Um, and so I ended up kind of finding these two guys, Ryan and Spencer, who were effectively freelancers at the time. Ryan is a kind of a visual designer. Spencer is a, a writer. Um, and now they've built this studio called Day Job, like basically off of recess. And I kind of created this world with them. And then the website I built with this, uh, this guy, Costa, who started this uh, basically whole studio off of it called Virtually Real. And then over time, I've kind of built um, my own team internally. And so, like, I think one of the key things, if I was giving advice to an entrepreneur, is, like, finding undervalued talent is the most important thing. And, like, I basically was fortunately able to, to like, you know, find amazing creatives that believed in kind of the vision and that I, I just connected with. And I think that's everything. So talk about the, uh, you know, the expansion of the Recess brand, because obviously you've started in the beverage space, but you have... You have plans. You alluded to them earlier. So, so tell me about them. Yeah. So, look, I think it goes back to what I said earlier is that beverage is this very unique category because of its uh, couple of reasons. One, it's super high frequency of use and purchase. And so that leads itself to a brand marketing strategy where ultimately what you're kind of driving towards is you want someone to walk into a Whole Foods or an Erewhon or your bodega and choose recess over Spindrift or recess over LaCroix or recess over Red Bull. Right. So that's about staying kind of top of mind and reaching the consumer before they get in the store. I like I like I used to say that uh, I like to tell my people in the beverage industry. And in the past, brands were built on the shelf. Today, they're built on your phone, and that changes everything. And what a brand is has just fundamentally changed. When the brand was built exclusively on the aisle, it was just the product. It did there was no kind of connection and communication kind of with your consumer beyond that. And now that we have uh, you know our phones, which is where brands are built, I think that fundamentally changes kind of your strategy. And so I look at what we're doing at Recess is we create kind of products and experiences. There's a product. Our, our Instagram is our first experience. And I look at it, the Instagram as a, as a, as a, it's its own product. Like here's an example of something we don't do. We don't do any resharing of user-generated content. Um, it's one Instagram a day that is like this concept that's meant to kind of stop and make you think and smirk a little bit. Like the way I think about our Instagram strategy is like, what do I want someone to feel when they drink a Recess? I want them to feel thoughtful, clever, creative, introspective. Yeah. 
And so we have to do that every day. Like it takes a lot of work to kind of come up with, you know, an idea every single day. Every day. But we're going to expand that in a in meaningfully. And so uh, you're going to see us go big into kind of content. You're going to go see us, uh, and we're launching um, an editorial platform at the beginning of March called The Antidote. And it's going to be a full-on kind of editorial site. Um, creative profiles, all sorts of cool content for the creative community. We're going big into merchandise and apparel. Um, and you know, one of my views is that I think as, a, as, so as a permanent consumer product or as a, okay. So there's going to be nodding. But. So the way to think about recess is not like a beverage brand, like vitamin water. It's more like a brand like Disney, which has all these interconnected parts to it that all drive the other. Right. And so beverage is very, again, it's, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a brand marketing driven category. I'm convinced that there's, I like this idea in business that like every business has a key metric that you're optimizing towards besides like revenue and you know, profit that like kind of tells the whole story. I'm pretty convinced that in beverage, that key metric is how can you generate the most amount of impactful brand impressions for the least amount of money? Mm-hmm. And there's two ways to do that. One is generating kind of earned media and we get a lot of earned media, PR, organic sharing, and we can accelerate that and our content gets shared a lot. And the other is actually monetizing your marketing efforts. So if I can sell people iPhone cases and sweatshirts and t-shirts, I can monetize my content uh, while I'm losing less money on my marketing or yeah. I'm making money on my marketing. We call it the media value of brand. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's, and I think recess is this brand where we're not even talking about the drink. We don't talk about the CBD. It's like this idea, it's this mentality. It's focused on the creative community. So I think it's a, it's an idea that's like well-suited to the strategy. I don't think it would make sense if you were doing, you know, had a milk company, right? But for what we're doing, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, on this podcast, we had Michael Stone of the Beanstalk Group, who actually for decades was Coca-Cola's licensing partner, did, mm. uh, did all of their strategy for licensing. And he says that it's really about how brands can mix with their customers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea that you know creating product extensions really either brings them back to the core product, in their case was a, a drink. Mm-hmm. It sounds mm-hmm. like yours isn't just going to be the drink, obviously, mm-hmm. but it is bringing them back to the lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so you're sort of mixing with customers in a 21st century way, which is wonderful. You did a pop-up store uh, mm-hmm. on Broadway. Um, is that a, was that a, literally a, something to be just a pop-up or will they be permanent direct-to-consumer in the physical space, do you think? So, I mean, the, the funny story about the pop-up is that the original reason we did the pop-up is the company was based in my apartment and we wanted to like get it, like we need to get an office and I hate co-working spaces personally. And so I was like, there's always all this, empty ground floor retail in New York. What if we put the office in the back and like did some like art activation up front? And then that was the original plan when we signed the lease and things just started moving so fast. We're like, we're not going to fit back here. And so like, let's just do the whole space. And, but the idea of the pop-up is that I wanted to serve a couple of reasons. I wanted to kind of, I wanted it to create like a space in the middle of New York city that felt like you were walking into the feeling I want you to feel when you drink a recess, which is like, felt like you're walking into our Instagram. It kind of looks like we created a recessed world. Um, and the second reason is that I look at what we're doing is we're really kind of, uh, you know, culti- you know cr- I wanted to create a space for the creative community in New York to host events at. So we hosted four to four events a week for about eight months with creative partners and brand partners in New York. And they and we just get like an incredible amount of inbound from just partnerships. Right. And we'd like, like, let's host an event together. And so it'd be a, another brand basically promoting recess, for us for free and like to their audience, inviting all these new people into our space. And we got to introduce 
you know, the product, but that's you know the least important part of it, right? It was really about the experience, which was a it's a form of taking a recess. Yeah, an interesting thing about um, collaborations and partnerships to the let's say new crop of digital native brands uh, in America or around the world, and you may have seen some of our studies on 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 those. Um, I think what's interesting is that to to you guys, it's just second nature. It's something to be done every day, every week. Whereas the incumbent community who say, yeah, we're going to do a partnership, they do one a quarter mm-hmm. or they do one yeah. every you know year uh, and then they pat themselves on the back and then they'll sort of figure it out next year. Um, and you guys see it as just borrowing each other's consumers mm-hmm. and just keeping on iterating and riffing on that. Yeah. And um, are, there, are there some brands that you partnered with more than others? Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, we host, we would host comedy shows and concerts and like things like that pretty frequently where that was a series I'm, you know, starting to do stuff with So House. We're doing um, like kind of consistent events with them. And so like over time, this will be a core part of the strategy. I think the most interesting thing for us for retail is that, you know, if we're selling other objects besides the beverage, the economics of the space change, right? And so if, you know, our apparel line takes off, I think, yeah, right. Um, So I think it's pretty interesting for us when we go into new markets, there's, there's so much we can do on the experiential side. I mean, we could definitely do a museum of ice cream type like experiences, you know, that are yeah. marketing, right? And I, that's the vision here. And but to monetize them. And so, what brands are exciting you uh, these days? It doesn't have to be in the wellness space. Yeah. It could be, but what what things and companies, brands uh, are doing things that you find to be fascinating? Like my favorite, I think the best marketer on the planet is Virgil Abloh um, from Off White mm-hmm. and Louis Vuitton, and uh, he's one of my biggest inspirations in terms of how he has built this world very much a creative collective is like he's his output is just incredible like how much he's creating every single day uh, how he's you know has kind of each different market around the world has its own kind of version uh, of off off white how he thinks about collaborations uh, i think it's very much the how he's you know he's making furniture he's djing he's all these things he's everywhere and that's kind of the point yeah um, so, so it's interesting you say that because i think again on this podcast Rossi from Milk Makeup was talking about the sort of renaissance generation where, and he actually said basically similar thing to you just said that no one's like just an architect. Mm -hmm. Everyone's a DJ, an artist, an architect, a banker, all of the above. And the confidence in oneself to create and use one's brain in a cross-functional way is something that's very much of this generation. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, I think, I think, I think brands are coming back and I think brand platforms are coming back um, in a big way. And it, it's, we're going from, I think we went from like traditional retail to direct to consumer where you're just selling a product. And there was really, I would argue many like the first era direct to consumer brands, they had a certain model, like right where you could build a brand just buying Instagram ads, uh, you know, and we didn't, you can't do that anymore. And you have to be much more multi-platform on the channel, obviously content driven. Like I think as if, I kind of think just brands are going to become media companies in the future. And what are media companies doing? They're having multiple streams of revenue. Um, and so I think that's kind of where the world's going to go. I think sometimes the digital native universe, though, hasn't really put an emphasis on the product they have on brand. And some yeah. of them have done a very good job with brand. I think you have done a very good job with the product itself. Because let's, let's not forget that I've been sitting here drinking mm-hmm. this. this no, let me, which one was it? Which one drinking, drinking pomegranate hibiscus. There we go. And it's, it's incredibly refreshing. I will say that I think I do feel 
a little bit more zoned in mm-hmm. than I typically might in the afternoon. It's five. Oh, at this recording, it's quarter to six. Mm-hmm. Feeling pretty, you know, pretty pretty good about things mm-hmm. and uh, enjoying this conversation. But the product itself, mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, how did you come up with the formulations, the beverage side? You said you, you're not in the business of beverage. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you come up with something that actually tastes delicious? Well, so at the time, like, again, there was, a, there was no, co- one of the things I had to figure out was how do you put CBD in a beverage? Um, because CBD is not naturally water soluble, uh, oil, like CBD oil doesn't just dissolve in water. And so when I came up with the idea, I literally started calling hemp farmers in Kentucky. I'm like, how do I put this in a drink? But, and then I got, you know, my first guy I got introduced was like literally working out of a, just a guy working out of what felt like a breaking lab, breaking bad lab. Um, and, but over time, it kind of the, over the past 18 months, two years, like the supply chain has become so much more sophisticated as the opportunity has become so obviously larger, right? Um, like, so if you, if there's others that think this can be, I, I think a lot of people actually think about how it's going to play out incorrectly, but there's enough people who saw the opportunity for what beverages who did the work to figure out how to get into kind of a water soluble format. Um, so that was the first thing I had to overcome. Uh, on the formulation side, I, since I didn't know anything, I literally went on Google first and I originally hired this big formulation company out of Chicago that worked, and I convinced, they work with like Dr. Pepper and Snapple and stuff, and I convinced them to work with me, and they thought I was insane, and work with, and, and That's like, how it always starts. And then, right? but then I fired them because it just was so not obviously how I wanted to do it, like I wanted to be in the lab. And then I found a guy through a friend that's a, in the uh, beer space up in Beacon, in New York, in the Hudson Valley, that made syrups uh, that you add to like cocktails and like soda and stuff. He's like, you know how to make flavors. Do you want to like hack on this drink with me? And so I literally took the train up to Beacon for every weekend for six months. And we just hacked on recess. And I had a pretty clear idea what I wanted. I wanted to be under five grams of sugar. I wanted to kind of have like a kind of a premium kind of unique feel to it. Like Red Bull, when it came out, was its own thing. Most people thought Red Bull sucked, uh, but it still worked. Uh, in In our case, I didn't want to, I wanted to enter like above like LaCroix, like not just be like a dull sparkling water. And because I have all the functional ingredients in here, uh, the CBD plus the adaptogens, they have a, they have a taste uh, that you have to balance out. And so it took a lot of work to kind of formulate this. But through that process, and in large part because we didn't know what we were doing, we kind of invented our own process um, that, uh, as we've learned, is like pretty uh, interesting um, and valuable. And there's a reason it tastes as, you know, basically probably sweeter than it is. It's, you know, it's only five grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. And we're actually... We're launching, we're about to launch three new flavors and we're making some adjustments to these and we're reducing, uh, we're reducing the sugar by almost half. So spend another 30 seconds on adaptogens. So obviously you, you, you started with the CBD piece of mm-hmm. it. How do you discover adaptogens and maybe riff a little bit more on, yeah. on those? So first of all, like what adaptogens are, are a class of herb that helps you adapt to stress. And it's really a family uh, of ingredients that all have somewhat uh, you know, unique attributes. And so since I wanted this to be like a productivity drink, like the core use case I wanted to start out with was the call it the 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. like at your office. Well, ginseng helps you focus and concentrate. And so for anyone that like the CBD would make them too groggy, the ginseng would kind of counteract that. The ginseng is an adaptogen? Yes, it's an, it's an extract of green tea. Um, and L-theanine, um, similar, kind of, it's actually more of just kind of another balancing mm-hmm. kind of ingredient and then Cassandra and, and lemon balm. And so they all work together to kind of deliver this effect. It's not just CBD. And so I think why that's actually interesting is when I describe all those different kind of use cases and consumption occasions we can play in, well, there's a bunch of different functional ingredient stacks that we could 
kind of create to deliver a specific effect. So you could see a recess for sleep, which would be probably a higher dose of CBD and kind of melatonin. You could see a recess for fitness, which maybe it's like CBD and electrolytes, right? You could see a recess version that's specifically for a bar or restaurant, which has other types of herbs that deliver as an effect. I mean, a lot of people, it's an amazing mixer. Do you know how many people have asked us to get in the hard seltzer space, right? When are you doing a recess hard seltzer? So conceivably, those are all things we could do over time. This is just the first, first one. I think I could talk to you for three hours on all this stuff. So as we sort of wrap up, um, what are you most excited about for the brand, for yourself, for the industry? Um, but you know, you, you have the last word. So what what are you pumped about? Um, I think we're at this like just moment in time where brands are going to come back in a big way, and what a brand is. Uh, is 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 just changing and i think it requires just a fundamentally different skill set and i think just kind of creativity is just going to come back and i think there's new business models which you know we're going to explore and i think we're doing something just new i think we're the first you know digitally native beverage brand and i think that aspect of it kind of changes everything and so yeah, I'm excited to be in the space. Well, there we go. You said creativity is going to come back mainly because you're going to let everyone take a beat and have a recess, right? To do that. So, yeah. Right, thanks so much for joining me on yeah. the safari. My pleasure. Thank you. If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. Until next time.